What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, as always, Jack Vita, and today I brought along a couple of friends. As many of you who are streaming and watching us live here on Twitter, you can see we have Arrestus Destrade without his camera, of course. Uh, he's just a little uh, black screen over here. With a I, wish it, I wish it was a baseball or something. It'd be nice if it was a baseball. I think you might be able to, next time you can customize that. Maybe put a picture okay. of you there. I will, I will. Yeah. So, Arrestus, of course, he was at Baseball Tonight, did the World Baseball Classic, Little League World Series. He was over at ESPN for five years. And now he does the Rays pregame and postgame show. Uh, sometimes he does the Rays games himself. And he, oh, you've been doing that for about 11 years now. Is that correct? Yeah, this was my 11th year. Um with the Rays uh, and and what was Fox now Valley Sports, and uh, and yeah, so we'll talk about that and and uh, unfortunately the, the how that kind of came to an end this year. But I'm very proud of uh, being a part of that family. All right, Arrestus, would you like to introduce our yes. other guest for today's show? Uh, I would like to very much so. Uh, our other guest is a very very beloved part of of uh, my family. Um, he is my nephew, and I'm very proud of him and, and a lot of the ventures and things that he's done. Um, uh, played college baseball himself, uh, culminating up in uh, in Tennessee, and and uh, as coach at the high school level as, as a as a head coach. He's also coached at the college level, and he's also been very successful in a little oh maybe slightly known show called survivor where he finished third a few years ago uh went away about 185 pounds and came back about 160 pounds and uh and and swore to never eat coconut or fish ever again i think he's pretty much stayed true to that and um but we love him and he's a, oh let me add one other caveat and that is that he's an incredible sports but specifically baseball mind and uh that is the one and only Leito, the one and only Albert Destrade, Alberto. Oh, appreciate the appreciate the intro there, man. That was good stuff. I, I heard that uh, the last time you came on this program was the first time in your career that you were introduced as Albert Destrade's uncle, which is yes. a little, which is I, a departure that, for that, you. That one, that one, well, not only was it a departure, but that one hurt a little bit. That one, that one, that one, that one stung. <laughs> that, 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 that one stung a tad, you know, to be no, but that was I was very proud to be. Uh, Albert Destroy's cousin. I mean, uncle, because you know why? Because that means that, that uh, Jack Vita, you know, regards your prowess as far as baseball to be able to go and, and, and introduce me that way. So I will say that I enjoyed the show. That was the second time that I've been on with Jack. And, and uh, I really think that, uh, Jack, you're doing a fantastic job and, and uh, ask dynamic questions. So I'm looking forward to, to talking. What has been left? What's left here in the finals of of the baseball season? We're excited to be on, and it's kind of like when uh, Kyle Seager for Players Day put on the back of his jersey uh, Corey's brother as his as his <laughs> as his, as his uh, player name. That's kind of what we're going with. <laughs> so, that was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's great to have both you guys here. And by the way, if you guys are to those who are listening, enjoying the show, make sure you subscribe to the Jack Vita Show wherever it is that you get your podcasts. And uh, we got a lot coming up. We'll be covering the NFL Week 6, College Football Week 7. I'll be talking with Garrett Powell from Bachelor Nation. He was on The Bachelorette. 
And he uh, he had a cup of coffee at college football as well. So be fun to talk with him. And earlier this week, we also covered the past week in football. So if you guys want football coverage, there's plenty of that. And then we'll have more baseball coming up today. We are recapping the division series, the wild card games, and we're going to preview the championship series. And what better place to start than with Arrestus's Tampa Bay Rays? You know, oh, I was yeah. legitimately this is as shocked as I've been watching a playoff series, just watching that game uh, Monday night or Tuesday. I think it was Monday night. And they lost. I, I genuinely was just. You know, this is a sport where, yeah, you know, you can expect the unexpected in baseball. But I was so, so shocked by that outcome that the Rays were done in four games. Um, I wasn't. I'll be honest with you. I actually wanted the 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 lesser team, uh, that being the Yankees, to to surprise Boston uh, and win that series, uh, because even though I believe that you. You know, you, you have to, in order to get to the mountaintop, sometimes you just have to beat the other best. And I definitely felt that Boston was the better of the Yankees and, and, and Boston combo this year. Because it, it, it changes year by year, obviously. They weren't last year, not quite dramatically. But this year they were. I, I kind of wanted the Yankees because I felt that we could dominate the Yankees much easier. One of the reasons for that is because the Yankees uh, this year were very much – um, base to base team. They had to beat you on a three run homer. You know, pitching had to be really on point. And and uh, while Boston has more of a raise type team, Boston is a slashing team who could pop a three run homer at you at any time. But the reality is that Boston was a, just a more you know full, well rounded team than the Yankees. That being said, from the moment I'm going to tell you how I'm not wasn't surprised that we got ousted. From the moment that Tyler Glass now went down. At that point, I said, it's going to be very difficult for us to win the World Series this year. I never thought it would be difficult to get to the playoffs, but I definitely thought that at some point in time, that injury tied to uh, Chirino's injury the year before was going to like eventually just chip away at us. And that's exactly what happened. Because when you think about it, he ended up having to go back to the well and bring a, a, a rookie lefty, basically, in Shane McClanahan back out in game four on short rest. Those are the innings that would have gotten, gotten you know, used up by, by uh, you know, the, 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 the great pitching that would have been by Glass now. And a lot of people forget how good uh, Chirinos was, how good Chirinos can be. And I'm hoping both of them will be successfully through their Tommy John, like many, many, many pitchers are, and going to come back and deal because those are all-star caliber arms. We didn't have those. So the innings to be get used up just really just, just you know, beat us. Uh, and there's no way that I would have been throwing a, a Shane McConaughey back at those guys. And, and one more thing I'll say about that. If you think about it, uh, you don't understand how quick major league players uh, adjust. So, you know, from a Friday to a Sunday or something like that, and you bring in the same guy, um, it's, um, you know, he probably doesn't have the exact same slider. The fastball doesn't have the exact same spin. So you look at an example as Devers, who was dominated by Shane McClanahan that first game. Then he busted him, you know, for a 420-foot homer 
to, to pretty much put the Rays away. Uh, and I'll kind of, you know, slide into for you guys. That's how impressive, you know, a guy like, uh, like Scherzer is who can come back and he's still dominating at the major league level. Uh, and, and that we didn't have, you know, our Scherzer definitely in glass now. It's interesting because I was, as you talked about what the Rays had in this postseason in terms of pitching, as I, we started to watch it unfold, they were trotting out all these rookies. And then there was kind of the debate over is Drew Rasmussen really a rookie anymore? A lot of people said he isn't. Um, but, you know, the plan was, and then Patino was going to start game four, and he's a rookie. And then, of course, Boz and McClanahan. Reminded me a little bit of where the Braves were a year ago. Uh, Albert's a Braves fan. They were trotting out all these pitchers who were all under the age of 25. Did you think about that at all, Albert? Yeah, I kind of did. It was it was actually, I think the Rays actually went even more extreme than hmm. um, what the Braves did. The Braves kind of had to mishmash the whole season, whereas the Rays, um, you know, they had a set plan and – you know, I, I was surprised that actually Shane Baz was, uh, you know, stayed in the minor leagues. I know he, he went away and, and pitched for the Olympic team for a while. Um, it kind of cut, cut his season short. But he came up, he only had three starts in the big leagues. To make your fourth start ever in the major leagues, game two of a five-game series, is pretty remarkable, especially for a 100-win team who had a chance to line up their starters. They weren't really – it's not like the Rays had to play – you know, that last week of the season with the stress of, are we going to win, you know, are we going to win the division? They, they, they were able to kind of set their, their pieces where they wanted to. And like, Oh, alluded to like, you know, uh, Shane Mack, that was their guy that they were kind of leaning on because Tyler Glass, I was out, you know, they let Charlie Morton walk last year, which I think was a pretty surprising move where they didn't uh, match the uh, qualifying offer. Um, so they, they've kind of put themselves in this position. You know, they traded Ian Snell for the, the Luis Patino package, or I'm sorry, Blake Snell. And uh, it's it's really interesting when that's just kind of the way they've done it. They've kind of gone. I, I think I heard a, a, a quick snippet from uh, Ray's Brass talking about, you know, they made moves to add Nelson Cruz. They made moves to add Jordan Luplo. They didn't really make a lot of moves to add formidable starting pitching. They were just kind of going with the youth movement. And, that's yeah, and they of, actually trade away Rich Hill. They traded a veteran starter in Rich Hill. Um, you know, they tried to bring in a couple veterans and Michael Waka and, um, you know, Chris Archer, but those guys weren't as productive. So they just decided to go with the young guys. And those guys have kind of been the tried and true method for the Tampa Bay's race success historically. You know, if you always look back at their success, it's based on, you know, young pitchers stepping up, whether it was Matt Moore years ago in the postseason, David Price, um, you know, Chris Archer. There's been a number of young guys coming up and just making impacts for them. So they, they kind of stuck with the formula. And, you know, I think it was it was very it's everything the Rays does always kind of seems to surprise me. I, I feel like they're one of the teams that I I kind of pride myself on understanding in today's baseball and what's kind of some of the more optimal strategies. The Rays always feel like they're they're not just two steps ahead of everyone else in baseball. But for me, they're I feel like they're five steps ahead of me. I can't even like <laughs> catch up with like I'm like, what are they doing? But I, whatever they're doing seems to work. And I, I think it was Eric Neander speaking. And I was like, man, this guy, I think he really knows what he's doing. Or I think he's he's playing the hand he's dealt, really, which is they're a small market franchise who doesn't have a lot of financial backing. So they can't mortgage all of their, you know, organizational future in one season they have to kind of piecemeal and say how in are we this year because we can't let this year affect the next five if they want to be sustainable with uh you know winning which they have been in the last um you know five plus years they have to they have to kind of take it year by year and and, and be you know kind of one foot in one foot out every season and 
it, it can be tough as a, for, you know, for the people who really love the team. Well, well, let me pose this question to both of you guys then. And in that realm, because you're, you know, you know, I've been around them for, for 10, 11 years. So I understand them very much well. And they're, and even to the point that there's some things I can say and some things I can't say. Uh, and that is, let me pose this. My frustration at times with the Rays, and I'll, I'll admit to, to that frustration, and that is to, you know, to win the ultimate goal, you have to make certain financial sacrifices um, in this day and age. I mean, it's just the way it is, right? It's, it's, we're not talking about 40 years ago where there was no free agency and he who had the best players won, right? Um, and if you and, and guys were on year-to-year contracts, you know, back in the Mickey Mantle days and, and all that. Then everything changed. So let me ask you this. What was the last team that has won a World Series doing what the Rays do, Oakland does, and, you know, those are the top two teams that you can think of that do this dramatic kind of crazy things. By the way, he's talking about dramatic. Shane McClanahan pitched his first game in the major leagues in the postseason last year. Uh, yeah. uh, Kevin Kiermaier played his first inning and games in the major leagues in the postseason back in 2000, like I think 13. He, he, so the Rays do things kooky. Some of them are actually quite cool. Some of them are very calculated to save money. Um, and that's where I, I, I get frustrated because yeah, they're, yeah, they're two whole, they're, they're two whole hitter in the playoffs. Wander Franco didn't come up until three quarters of the way through the season, you know, and they, I they, get that one though. I get that one um, a little bit. I mean, um, it wasn't at that point, it wasn't to, to uh, save money per se, because he already had passed, you know, the, the point of, of um, qualifying this year, I believe. But regardless of that, tell me, you know, the, the only team I can think of, I've got an answer. That, that to it. would be would be the the Marlins back in the day. And they weren't using sabermetrics. I'm just saying the Marlins, you know, upended the Yankees. You know, talk oh. about David and Goliath, and yeah. and they won. But but that was a staff of young rookie pitchers or one year, to, you know, that all year long pitch in that in those slots. So, so you know, it was no surprise. It As wasn't ex- race that are doing mix and matching. Yeah, so the team I thought of, and it's it's different, but similar. I don't think there is one, but go ahead, tell me. We might have the same one, Jack. Let's see what you got. 2015 Kansas City Royals. Kansas City Royals is the team that I was thinking of. Oh, yeah. Homegrown okay. pitching, homegrown position players. Um, not No big free agent acquisitions to that team. But I agree. That was a team right. that, that hit a combination, and really they're more like the, the, uh, o, the O3 Marlins in that they hit the jackpot and they pulled the, the lever and it was seven, seven, seven of, of just their homegrown talent all came up at the same time and were, and were beasts. Right. But that, well, I'm there's not truth to that. that they but... did all these kind of like ploys and did all these, you know, you get Nelly. I'll give you an example. You get Nelly Cruz. You know what getting Nelly Cruz cost? Do you know what Nelly, getting Nelly Cruz cost? I'll tell you no. what getting Nelly Cruz cost. It costs, Subsequently, days later, they gave up the lefty Rich Hill. So they wouldn't have to pay the rest of his, uh, you know, he had like a, I don't know, I think he had like a $3 million deal. So there was going to be like a million and a half left. That was off their books. They traded 
Diego Castillo. Why? Because the OKC wasn't making millions, but the OKC is coming up on, on arbitration next year. So in their way that they do their books, they're going, okay, so that's off the books for next year. We're not going to have to pay the OKC a four to five million in, 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 in a, an arbitration win that he's going to have because the guy's a stud, right? And then they got Chargois, who has very little time in the big leagues, and they were hoping him would be similar to Castillo. He ended up having okay numbers. He ended up being, being pretty solid. You know, and with their wares and very and very good coaching, um, you know, they were able to, to, to use Chargois. But Chargois is going to be making another 600000 next year. That's what that's what it costs to get Nelly Simmons. It, it killed me. I wanted Nelly Simmons more than anybody. But then I go, oh, Rich Hill, I want that veteran pitcher. Oh, uh, Diego, he's like, our, you know, he's one of our stud core arms in the playoffs who already went through the battles. Oh, man. That's that's what I'm talking about. So I want to make a one quick comment, not to derail us, but on the, the Royals, I actually do think there's a little more analytics with that team because they're, they were the first team I remember seeing where it was like, all right, we're going to use these starters. We're only going to go five innings, and we'll turn it over to our great bullpen. Their bullpen had that's Wayne true. Davis, Greg Holland, um, and then they were using as starters, they are using guys like Chris Medlin, Chris Young, Volquez, like the difference with the Marlins is they had Josh Beckett, AJ, Carl, Dottrell Willis. At one time that that does clicked, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's true. I'll give you that. Uh, And that's about the closest you're going to get. So my point to that is that you're not going to win. You're not going to get to the mountaintop unless, you know, you you just have certain sacrifices or unless your young guys are true blue behemoths that that can that can get you there. And ironically, the Rays did have the true blue behemoths that can get you there. They just got injured. Chirinos and and Glasnow. Chirinos and Glasnow under the fold at a very comfortable, you know, a couple million dollars each because I think it was just, a, you know, like their first year of arbitration, maybe something like that. You go to the World Series and we win the World Series, hands down. There's no way. Nobody could have kept up with us. We have too dynamic of an offense that, that, that scores runs in athletic fashions, and and then we would have had the innings covered. I think that's all actually – Oh, I think, Kansas City. Oh, I think that's actually the most interesting point when I like always try to like look at the Rays. You know, you don't look at a lineup that has a lot of world beaters offensively. They're not a team that had, you know, really a ton of all-stars on the offensive side. The Rays are known for what? Generally the power pitching, right? But yeah. one, one thing that I think got kind of swept under the rug is if you look at that lineup, I think that 12, something about 12 guys who got regular at bats who had an OPS plus of over 100. This is a team who consistently deploys guys who are better than league average one through nine, and right. they beat you in the aggregate. And I think that's kind of like a case study of what the Rays do organizationally where they don't, you know, they don't go all in on like a couple superstars and say, these are our big boys. They say, we're going to beat you with 25 men. You know, we're going to send our 26 yeah. guys out there and all 26 guys have a purpose. And it's really a case study on maximizing limited resources, whether it's, uh, you know, ownership doesn't want to overspend, which, you know, a lot of a lot of teams deal with that. I think, you know, as, as somebody who's followed the Braves for a while, you know, it's frustrating as a Braves fan to, to see a team that's always on that precipice. But the organization won't, you know, make that big right. push for that extra guy or two or, you know, big item uh, ticket. <clears throat> and sometimes it works out. I mean, you know, the the Braves 
were able to make some, I'm sure we'll cover them soon, made some really savvy bargain basement deals that worked out for them. And you look at look at the Rays, what they've done. They've moved some really big arms that all seem to do worse. I think I saw a number the other day. It was uh, yeah, it, it was Snell, it was Snell, Archer, Cobb, Odorizzi, and Matt, and Matt Moore. Yeah. And it, all those guys were impact guys for the Bra- for the Rays. Absolutely, no like front front line guys. And every single one of them has. I think the RA for Snell after leaving the Rays was four two. For Archer is five one nine. For Cobb was four nine zero. For Odorizzi's four four nine, and for uh, Matt Moore's five five two. Matt Moore kind of had you know had to take yeah, off. Yeah, he lost it. Yeah, right, so right, right. it's it's basically they just have to time the market better than everyone else, and you know it's it, it can be difficult to follow when you, when you know they're so close. But I'm with you. I thought when I thought personally when Tyler Glasnow had the old, had the entire issue with the sticky substances, blew out his elbow, gave that you know you know speech of how you know this is insane. They changed the rules, and I'm like, man. And then I looked at his numbers. I'm like, Glasshouse finally figured it out. Because this is a guy with all the talent in the world, right? Unbelievable, yeah. over, overwhelming stuff. And I'm like, he's finally putting it together to take it to that next level. He blows out his arm. And I'm like, yeah. okay, that, that's that's it for them. And they still won 100 games they in that division. They won 100 games. And by the way, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to praise uh, uh, Jack uh, here and, and, and my nephew, Albert. Ooh. I'm going to circle back and tie all of this together. Right. Well, you just said, Albert, about what the Rays go after. And then Jack saying the team that that won under that, you know, the, the only team that's won under that guy's of you know modality and mentality was the Kansas City Royals. Who was the MVP of the 2015 World Series? Ben Zobrist. Ben Zobrist. Who are the type of players that the Rays try to year in and year out? type of bring in and they want 12 of those Benzo. That's exactly ever since Benzo's left, ever since he left the race, I was there. All they've been about in the front office is to create, sign, develop, draft, trade for Benzo's type players, period. Other than a Nelly Cruz here and there, uh, G man Choi here and there, you know what I mean? Those corner guys, et cetera, et cetera. Other than that, we have 10 Ben Zobris type players, and God love them because Ben Zobris was my favorite for uh, Tampa Bay uh, Ray, hands down. And I mean, I was a Crawford fan, I'm a Longo fan, I'm a KK fan. Hands down, Benzo was the best. And, and Major League Baseball on a whole tries now and they covet. Ben Zobris type players, a guy that can play seven positions, a switch hitter, uh, can hit from both sides, runs, has baseball acumen, can score from first on a double. Th- that's how we scored all those runs. I'm telling you, period. It wasn't because we led the league at home runs because we didn't. Right. So it, it, it's it's interesting that it was the Kansas City Royals were the last team or the only team to win kind of using that ploy. And and Ben Zobris is is why so he was he was um, the only guy that wasn't homegrown on that offense I believe other than I mean they traded for Lorenzo Cain but they it was most of Lorenzo Cain but most that those was guys Gord- yeah Gordon was yeah. drafted I'll see Escobar was homegrown Sal no, Perez Mac Bustak and, and, and I don't know if Zobris just fell on their lap or, or, or how much they were doing their own you know smart I would like I would like to think they you know that uh, that uh, they were doing their own smart uh, saver metrics Benzo. Right. And then, oh, by the way, he moved on to a team called the Chicago Cubs the following year and helped them win a World Series. Right. Uh, and Joe Madden wanted him dearly. So, um, 
you know, moving on from this, the Rays are going to always be there. The Rays are an incredible organization when it comes to player development and 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 uh, player drafting. If, uh, the joke now is that if the Rays call you and you're the general manager, uh, you hang up. I mean, you just say the Rays, and you just you just quickly hang up, and then you try to find out who they were interested in. Somehow you super salute and go, uh, Jane, can you Bob, can you find out who they were interested in? And and if it was, you know, your um, if it was your interim, your interim uh, college kid that just came out as a, um, you know, is helping out the the clubhouse manager. You hire him to be your assistant general manager at that point. They were interested in him, and uh, because they they know uh, who's good, and and all their trades have been incredibly on their side, and um, and they're now developing players very well. So hey, I alter the race. But just like your your Braves, my God, you know you're right there at the precipice, man. And you just know that if, if you could have maybe kept Rich Hill or you know made a couple more moves, then you can man up to Boston. I mean, they could have used Ryan Yarbrough. They chose not to uh, put him on the uh, Ryan Yarbrough killed me. That, but here's what Albert's point was: they chose Shane Boz basically over over Yarbrough. And because uh, you could have started Yarbrough, you know, who's been one of your core starters now for the last three years. And, and, and I was OK with that one. You know, now in hindsight, you, you, you kind of swallow, swallow a bit of bitter pill. But um, but I was all high on, on Shane Baz sticking it to Boston at the point that that didn't happen. Um, you know, but here's I go back to to real quick how hard this game is. And and that uh, the finite nature of baseball, and that's why I think it's one of the greatest sports in mankind. And I know there's football people out there, soccer people out there, you know, basketball people out there. Here's the thing about baseball: you just, I call it heightened awareness. If your heightened awareness isn't on point, and all of a sudden you have heightened concern, you're going to have either one or the other as an athlete. And if you have heightened concern, that means that you're not really believe, and then now your slider just misses minusculely in where it needs to socket out of your arm, stuff like that. That's what causes you to miss two inches over the plate. And then you get walloped. It's that finite in baseball. So a guy like Drew Rasmussen, a guy like Shane Boz, they were just missing their fastball on the corner for strike one. Like they always, I mean, the other times I've seen Drew pitch, it's like natural, boom, strike one. And you can't hit that pitch. I mean, you're just going to take it because there's no way. Oh, oh, why am I going to go off that pitch? But he would hit it. It'd be strike one. Now he's comfortable curve, you know, curveball, slider, fastball up and in. They weren't getting it because they were their heightened awareness was more like a little bit of concern. I'm pitching in the playoffs. You don't, you don't, you don't see it outside, you know, in their body outside, but it's there. And that's what I'm telling you. It's a very difficult sport. So you want guys that have already been through the wars. And that's why exactly I didn't want to lose Castillo. I think this is a I think these were good testing grounds though for these Rays pitchers to set them up for the future. And I'm sure that's something they thought about because that's, oh, that's what the about. Braves that's, that's why the Braves are moving on. Exactly. Um, that's why and, and it might, you know, then mild this year might be the year that they can overtake the Dodgers. I, I believe so. And again, that leads us into that segue because I thought that was a dynamic series. Uh, the Bravos. Well, one more thing before we get to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so 
I'm just curious where you think the the Rays go from here because there are a lot of people that are just spewing stuff on Twitter. Oh, they're going to trade Kiermaier. Well, there's no reason for them. I know they they sell high on players, but I mean Kiermaier is a cost effective. They have them through next year. Um, in terms of free agents, they got Chris Archer, Nelly Cruz, and Mike Zunino, um, and Waka, really the main guys coming off the books. What do you think the Rays do this offseason? Uh, they try to trade uh, um, Kevin Kiermaier. Oh, uh, interesting. Right yeah, they try to trade Kevin Kiermaier right off the bat, I believe. They'll try to unload Kiermaier. Uh, not I'm saying unload. Uh, you might right. think that his 11, you know, for the next couple of years, I think uh, a year is 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 – is negligible, but I, I, I don't think they do. And um, so I think that goes mainly, and again, again, everything they do is a quick pro quo. They do because they have a guy in Josh Lowe who could be, I think will be a, an all-star, a perennial mm-hmm. all-star. Okay. Um, this kid is six, four and runs like, like a gazelle. Like just beautiful strides, he's he's something to watch. And man's the outfield, not as 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 dramatic as not even nearly as dramatic as KK. KK is incredible. KK dominated that series defensively. He made an incredible play off the wall, and I think in game one, um, another one sliding in, making a catch on uh, game three or so, and then showed his arm in game four. I mean, it was it was a, it was a clinic. Of greatness in the outfield. Nevertheless, they don't gonna if they can unload him, they will unload him. I will not be surprised if you don't see them trying to trade uh, a Wendell, um, which I love, but to open up for for Bruhan, right? Open up for Bruhan. You probably see maybe uh, the kid uh, and Nino Wonder Franco move over to third. Maybe Wall comes in as short, who I think is a magician defensively. A a um, non-entity offensively, but okay, you know, I don't care if he gets 200, and then and then you get Bruhan, who's a guy that can steal 50 bags, and again, all these are cost, massive, when you're talking about cost-effective, Jack, that's cost-effective raise way, right? And then, uh, a guy that I think they, they dropped some money on is is Zanino. I think they try to keep Zanino, and if they're going to spend, let's say, 10 million a year on a guy, which I think Zanino's priced himself into that market, don't you think? Um, yeah, uh, you know, it's a thin catching that. market. It's a very thin market. It's Jan Gomes, Mike Zunino, and uh, I mean Travis. Yeah, Hunter but I, I don't books, think so. anybody's going to go nuts and play pay any of those guys fifteen twenty million a year. Yeah, it's a thin know? market. Yeah, yeah. So I think I think you you offer Zunino three years twenty seven million, you know, something like that. He stays. You know what I mean? It's it's a it's a great comfortable place to play at. Most people. If they could pay them big money, would gladly stay in Tampa Bay. You know what I mean? Uh, but but um, uh, they don't do that all, quite often. So yeah, I think uh, I think Kevin Kiermaier is definitely will be on the market uh, along with a few other guys that you'd be actually quite surprised about. Uh, but they, where they go, they win ninety games again next year because a lot of these uh, pitchers will be circling back. Not not my guys. Uh, Chirinos will be circling back. Um, Beaks will be circling back and a handful of others, but, but glass now is going to be, if he's lucky, you know, towards the end of next year. So he's not really in the mix until 22, but, but they'll, they'll win again. But, but yeah, um, they've got, uh, replaceable, uh, 
uh, Monopoly uh, uh, pieces ready to go. So I'm glad that you didn't you you attributed every reason why the Rays fell short in this series, and we'll talk Red. We'll give the Red Sox some shine a little later when we preview the ALCS. Um, I'm glad you didn't blame it or pin it on the Game Three uh, momentum swinging play. No. no. Yeah. Albert, no, what do no, you think play, about that? That play sucked. That play sucked, but uh, you can't you can't be a major league baseball team and and let that you know crush you. It's such a. I mean, it's. It's incredible the way that game was playing out, you know, the extra innings, the, the drama, the the big hit, you know, and it's um, the way it happened, the way the ball caroms off of Hunter Renfro, ironically, a former Ray from last year. It's just, I, I you know, it's, it's one of those plays you don't, you know, I mean, we saw last night with the check swing call to, you know, to kind of end a game uh, in the series. You don't like those kind of questionable, murky situations to dictate the outcome of such a high stakes um, playoff environment, but um, what do I think about the play? I think, I mean, I honestly think there was precedent, and I think the Rays actually were part of a press a play that ha- happened similarly two years prior. And according to the rule, it was ruled correctly. I don't know if that rule needs to be reviewed because I think it's there's a chance that it could be exploited by future outfielders. And I think anytime a rule creates room for for exploitation um from like a competitive advantage standpoint i think it should be it should be looked at because what's stopping other outfielders from like using their glove as a as a you know high alike canasta and firing the ball into the out into the stands <laughs> and now all of a sudden they got to stop the guy like i could just be like oh i missed i, I kicked the ball now I, I i throw it up in this i mean granted it's hard to have that wherewithal in the moment you know in, in the heat of the moment but i've seen some pretty smart ball players come up with some pretty creative things i mean there was a uh, – I'll tell you a quick story from my background playing. I remember I played a summer league game when, uh, back in – I think this was uh, senior high school, and it was one of those portable fence deals, and I saw a guy literally hit a home run. I was in the outfield, and the guy in the outfield with me put his hands up like it was a ground rule du- double because you couldn't really discern where the ball landed, and everybody in the park just assumed it was a double. Nobody even <laughs> batted an eyelash, and it just – that was it. And, again, this was a high school player. Granted, there's no replay, no stuff like that. But I'm just saying uh, baseball players can be a little smart sometimes and try to manipulate some rules. I'm, I'm sure that, you know, we saw yesterday um, some gamesmanship in the fifth game of the Dodgers and Giants series where, you know, the traditional everyone traditionally thought Julio Urs was going to start that game. And next thing you know, it's the Dodgers deploy a different unique strategies. Strategies are changing a lot. If, any, if there's one thing the Rays know about is going against the grain and creative ways to get a competitive advantage, right? That's kind of been their MO. We're going to do True. things a little bit differently to try to get whatever it is, a one, two, three percent edge, because that's what they need. So I think that that rule and that play was ruled accurately. It was unfortunate the way it happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if Major League Baseball looked into that um, from a rule standpoint. Yeah, and you mentioned last night's uh, Dodgers-Giants series, and we will talk about the Braves, but since we're here, we'll touch on uh, this fantastic series, Giants and the Dodgers, Dodgers winning last night, two to one, very dramatic fashion, but of course, everyone is talking about the uh, the umpiring and the uh, called uh, check swing. They called a strike three. You know, to tell the truth, guys, look, I, I hate when we have these moments kind of overshadow how great a game or how great a series was. Wilmer Flores has faced Max Scherzer somewhere between 20 and 30 times in his career, and he's never gotten a hit off of him. Right. He was batting 090 in this postseason he was down in the count this was not in my opinion a series shifting call obviously you want to get the call right 
But, you know, these things happen, and I'm going to kind of – look, obviously it was a wrong call, but realistically, like, I, I think the thing is, is should they have gotten it right and could something else have happened? Could he have gotten on base? Maybe, you know, he, he technically could have. But realistically, like, I don't really like to make a big deal about some kind of an umpiring decision – unless it's so egregiously obvious and that thing is clearly a thing that's going to change the outcome of a game because well, I, I have a couple, I have a couple things to chime in on this because uh, these are things I feel pretty strongly about. Um, OC's a lot of, you know, you guys all watch a lot of games here and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping you guys can see where I'm coming from on this. I think there's two things that I personally took, um, you know, a little bit upset with um, number one, I, I think that more things need to be reviewable. I think the yes. fact that you cannot right. review a check swing, it just doesn't make any sense, right? The point right. of instant replays to get calls right. So I think literally anything outside of balls and strikes, which clearly are not reviewable right now, and I, you know, as a baseball peer, somebody would like to see them loosen up a little bit on the neighborhood play and, and a double play. I think that that's a little ticky-tack. But beyond that, I think things like that play with a check swing yesterday at the end of the game or a play we saw in game four of the – Brewers and Braves uh, National League Division Series where they couldn't review whether uh, Julio, um, I'm sorry, Luis Urias um, picking up a ball that caromed out of the catcher's glove. They couldn't review that play. I don't understand why Major League Baseball doesn't allow these plays to be reviewed. It doesn't make sense. Yeah. I think the review system needs a lot of change. I, another thing that I think review that, reform. Oh, we need <laughs> a lot of reform and review right yeah. now because their, their review system right now is. is is making pretty egregious mistakes. I think one of the biggest issues that we're dealing with is they take too much um, consideration in what the call on the field is. I think all uh, these, uh, yes, I think yeah. these reviews need to be to be looked at independently without knowing what the call on the field is, because now the stance is if it's not irrefutable that it's the other way from what was called on the field, it won't be overturned. And I think that that's, that's a, that you're doing an injustice because these umpires are having to make really difficult decisions in real time very quickly. Clearly, if they're going to review, it's a really close play. So that being said, why not take that person's you know decision out of the, out of the process and just let somebody impartial look at the play coldly and say, he's safe or he's out or it's a hit or it's whatnot. And just get the call right because, you know, I, I saw so many games this year where replay became a disaster, and it's it right. shouldn't be that. It should be quick, efficient, and accurate, and we don't have that. I think that um, those are two great points. I'm a purist of baseball because I, you know, I come from an era that that was just kind of like ushering in some of this stuff on my way out of playing. Uh, I saw it coming, and I was okay with some of it. Uh, and, and as much as I fought it at the beginning, the advent of technology and how many different cameras, uh, every now and then, especially in the offseason, I get, I get melancholy and nostalgic and I'll watch games. I have them, you know, I have some of them downloaded on my computer or I'll just go to ESPN Classics. They're really cool about watching the 78 Kansas City Yankees, you know, ALCS championship game it was just dramatic i've probably seen it 15 times but i if it's on i'll stop and watch it and chris chambliss hitting this home you know dramatic home run to win it and there's george brett you know and those type of cookie rojas hit a home run in that game by the way albert uh who, you know cuban you know, legend yeah cuban legend octavio cookie rojas so uh, my point with that is that i'm watching these games 
the camera angles are horrendous. You know, you don't realize that when you're watching it in 1978 as a 15-year-old. Wait, they didn't have K-Zone in the 70s? They didn't have the automated strike zone? It's the K-Zone, bro. I'm listening to this game with uh, Tony Kubek. And, you know, I I believe that game in particular had um, Howard Cosell on it, by the way. And, uh, I mean, it was a big game. You only have four teams left like it is right now, right? And one goes to the World Series and one doesn't. And and, uh, and it was the game five or whatever. I don't think they played seven then to go to the World So, bro, I'm like, I'm looking at it and I'm going, holy cow, that was terrible. So I appreciate it. But on the flip side, you're right. Uh, but I believe, I want to ask you guys, I think that was ushered in as far as like the call on the field. Is, is that not how they do it in the NFL? I mean, you hear a lot of the announcers, and like, oh, I'll probably be the call that Stan, you know, that was first made. So they're told also when in the replay deal, oh, but that's different because the replay people that are replaying it are at the stadium, correct? Where yeah. are they petitioning to when they're doing the the replay and they go, you know, the, the referees go to, they to the little they go booth? In, that, is it New York? We go to in baseball. They go to New York. Yeah, I, I know, think football. I baseball goes to New York. Is is the referee watching the play again? So they're just getting to watch it themselves, and they're reviewing it themselves, right? They're not getting another opinion. Jack, from I think he's asking the NFL. Do you know what the yeah, protocol is? I, or I truthfully you... don't know specifically. I, I think is they get to see it all over again. And uh, while we go, I say yeah. we MLB goes to a nonpartisan, supposedly you know nonpartisan neutral umpires that are take a rotation and they're in New York for that day. And they're, they're, they're the guys that get to see it over and over and over. And then the other umpires, they don't even need to see it. They just got mics. I mean, just got headphones. Uh, You know, but I agree with you. If they're not told, we called it a ball. I mean, we called it an out. We called it safe. It should be very, very neutral. Uh, That being said, um, I'll tell you what, uh, you're, you're, you're that San Francisco, and um, and 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 Dodgers series was outstanding. I mean, the whole series. When you think about the fact that one of the games was won by former goat of the of the of the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, you know, the greatest Ray of all time, Evan Longoria, in a one nothing victory on a home run by him off of Scherzer at 110 miles off the bat. You know, uh, and, and then they come back and and the Dodgers. You know, end up taking what the last two. They took the last two. What a series and and an exciting. You know, baseball has to be very excited about about those that that, that type of a series. Well, I do have two things that I would change about MLB, and that's More. a good yes. I would say number one, seven game NLDS and ALDS series. Hundred percent. Too long. Too long. Too long. Too long. Oh, you, oh, you want the seven? Oh, you want the seven? You I want, want seven, seven, seven. I love seven. Well, but for that matter, <clears throat> let's go. Let's go farther. Let's shorten the season, and and let's do like the NBA and like the uh, NFL. Let's shorten the season. This is not going to happen, by the way. This is a this is a pipe dream of mine, where you go back to like hundred and fifty something games. Who needs one hundred and sixty two games? Raise your hand if you need one hundred and sixty two games. Nobody's <laughs> raising their hand. Except Major League Baseball and, you know, I guess the monies they make from, you know, by having our system. And, and then lengthen the the uh, the, uh, all, all the the playoffs and maybe add some more teams. So now you really tr- truly have a second season. 
like Disagree. the advent of, of, of NFL, excuse me, NHL and NBA. Who doesn't look forward to the NHL and NBA second season? I, I jones for it because most of the time in the regular season of both those sports, I hardly watch. Yeah. Well, that, so, but so, that's the thing. Don't you want people watching the regular season like we have in baseball? The you can MLB. still have this battle. You can still have this battle in 154 games. You take away, you know, eight, or excuse me, six or six or eight. I would I would go down to 152, 150, you know, something like that. And you can still have a dramatic battle. You start the playoffs now in mid September, right? In mid September, and you're going into, you know, and you're done by by the end of October. Which, by the way, you don't want to challenge NFL anyway. They're they're they're, they're too big. You know, you don't want to be challenging these boys anymore. They're, 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 they are the bully of, 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 of sports in the USA. You can't challenge them because, because of fantasy football and all the other advents. Leave them alone. They've got it. They're the 800-pound gorilla. So let's go. Oh, we play, oh, and, we, baseball played a 154-game schedule. I had to double-check here until, until 61. Exactly. I, I'm, I'm actually not against going back to, to 154 if it means yes. no single elimination games, which I don't think exactly. are very – Exactly. Yeah. Egregious of a baseball season. For sure. How can you play one game in baseball? You do that in other sports, predominantly football. That might have been Jack's point there, the second one. But, yeah, I, I don't I don't like the one-game playoff. I, it's not just because I people say this year, oh, the Dodgers won 107 games. They shouldn't have to play. It's not even about the Dodgers. It's not about them specifically. I just think the sport in, in and of itself, there's a reason there, we play 150, 60-plus game season because it's a game of sample size, right? It's a game of, right. of right. Out, out, outcomes have to be extrapolated through a large – to, to a large amount of volume, whereas one game, any team could beat any team in baseball. The worst team in baseball this year could have beat the best team in baseball this year over one game. Correct. It doesn't. It's this isn't this isn't football. It's a very different animal. So I'm, I'm with you on that. I actually think that 154 games plus make maybe make it a three game series in the wild card and go seven seven seven. I'm sorry. That's what I want, Albert. I'm fine with shortening regular season. I just don't want to open this up to like. Oh, let's put everyone in the playoffs, and then no, 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 yeah, because that does happen in NHL, right? I mean, everybody's in the playoffs, and pretty much and in the NBA. NBA. You have more than half the teams make the playoffs, so nobody cares. Like they don't. The players take right. nights right. off. Like it's just a joke. Whereas Team, teams I, under five hundred make the playoffs yeah. all the time, which right, is right, 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 right. No, but I, I, I love the seven, Jack. Love the yeah. seven. That's real competitive, and and it really gets you into it. Okay, the, the thought process of who can they start. Hey, is this guy going to come back on short rest? That's all freaking juicy to me, but not a one game. Uh, and I don't even That's like the, the three five wild game, so. card. And then <laughs> yes. my other one, my other one, if you have the best record in your league, you call out your opponent. You pick who do you want. Oh, wow. That's 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 pretty juicy. You like if that, you have Albert? the best record in your – so mm. if you're the, the, the Rays, you can say, I want to play the Chicago White Sox. Yeah, exactly. Right. Huh. It's it's interesting. I, I I like it. I think it's um. I don't know if again. I don't know if they'd ever, they'd ever have the the courage to pull it off. But I think it's yeah. It, it would create some interesting storylines, which sports is entertainment in a way, and it creates more. I actually actually I'm, I'm wrapping my head around it. I think it's good because it's not only entertaining, but there's there's strategy to it. And I think the the smarter organizations are going to do a little bit better, which I, I I like to do. I think it takes away a little bit of less luck. 
Um, so teams like the Rays, who are really who do their homework, I think would now add a little bit more of a competitive advantage over right. you know some of the yeah. teams that just throw money at a wall and see what sticks, and then you know maybe aren't as advanced or well versed or schooled or you know whatever. I, I cool. it's a pretty cool idea. Nice. It's like you know so the good old yeah. Go ahead, though. No, I was gonna say we got it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna petition the league to go one fifty four. We're gonna uh, do away with the with the one game playoffs and seven game uh, ALCS. I mean DS and CS and, and NL. And then we're gonna tell them guys they get to pick their opponent. I I hey the CBA is coming up. I will usher you guys in. You will have a forum. You will have the dais for I think tell, five. Tell seven. Manfred we need five minutes. We need a five minute five, presentation. Five to seven minutes presentation. Jack and Albert are doing it. They'll be in. They'll be out. And I feel that all 30 teams will probably just join suit and stand and, yeah. and they'll stand <laughs> and applaud you. There'll be presidents and GMs that will stand and applaud you, boys. And my gosh, <laughs> you can pick the you can pick the assistant GM job that you want. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Love it. All right. So any other thoughts on this Dodgers Giant series? Before we move to the Braves, great series, great series. I wanted, I wanted Evan to to move on. I really did. Uh, I think it's a great story, but um, not to mention, you know, I think San Francisco is a great story, but um, but but eh, you know, listen, the Dodgers are. I'm going to ask you boys: are are they the premier money team? You know, in 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 in, in baseball that. It should be moving forward. You know what I mean? There's no reason for them not I'll to. Take, I, oh, I'll take it one step further. I think the Dodgers are the scariest, most complete team in sports, in all the major sports. I think they have the biggest pockets. I think they have, um, you know, they're an organization that's run in, intelligently. You know, Andrew Freeman, again, former. Right. Funny, we, you, you see a lot of the Rays' influence all over every team here. It, it's like, <laughs> you know, you got Andrew Freeman over with the Dodgers, right? You have – uh, James Glick, who's the now the GM of the uh, Houston Astros, you have kind of with the Red Sox. Like the, the Rays, the Rays, the Rays are still in the playoffs. They're, they might not be playing, but their executives are still in the playoffs. Um, so that shows you that. But I, I think the Dodgers are the biggest. They're they're so scary, and I think what the Giants did should should be at least recognized. I mean, nobody expected the Giants to compete. This it's, it's been it's been covered. It's been talked about. I think Gabe Kapler and his his staff have done an unbelievable job. His his two headed monster hitting coach um, tandem was responsible for reviving Brandon Crawford's career, giving Edwin Longoria a little bit of a you know extra yeah. boost. Yeah. Um, Buster Posey looked like his 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 former self. Brandon Belt this year came out with a power numbers I've never seen him do. So what that team did with that roster was pretty remarkable. I mean, Kevin yeah. Gosman. Kevin Gosman was discarded by the Braves two years ago. Sent to the Ra- yes. to the Reds. All of a sudden, Web. now he's you know Logan White. Lev is, is all world with his mix. Um, and they they made some ballsy moves. I mean, running that kid out, Duvall, who's you know he he'd been up and down the minors all year and sending him out in the ninth inning. Um, yeah, really big situations. The, the, the Mexican kid, right? Yeah. No, Duvall's – I think he's Dominican. I think he's Dominican. But he – um, and it came down to just honestly what I thought was poor pitch selection. I think Cody, you know, Cody Bellinger has been struggling all season, and he tripled up on sliders there at the end of the game in the ninth inning where I think he could have just challenged him with that 100-mile-an-hour fastball. But it's yeah. – the, the, the Giants deserve a lot of credit, man, for, for getting out there. They kind of played – a way that I thought was similar to the Rays this year with an older roster. They played a lot of matchups. They played a lot of platoons. 
Um, I think what the Dodgers did was really interesting, uh, deploying, um, you know, an, an opener instead of going with Julio Urias. By the way, very easy to go with Urias in that spot. Very easy to go no with a guy who, no who won, you know, 20 games, wins or whatever. Sub, 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 sub 3 RA, uh, yeah, 1 0 whip. He had a 5 to 1 strikeout to walk ratio this year. Uh, I mean, the guy, the guy was all world. I mean, he had 185 yeah. innings, struck, you know, struck out almost 200 guys. Like the guy was, the guy's a legitimate big game pitcher who did it last year in yep. October. Um, and I thought there was a very intelligent decision by the Dodger front office to say, listen, we're going to, we're going to, op- we're going to open this game with Corey Canable. We're not going to let, um, you know, Gabe Kapler set out his, his platoon lineup, which has been really effective. And uh-huh. I think, I think it, it turned out to be a one, one, uh, one, one ball game late in the game Correct. and it gave him the edge. So. Well, the I, fact that I, they have Max Scherzer coming in in the ninth inning is just yes, like absolute luxury. That it's not even shows. they. It's not even they wanted. Max Scherzer wanted to. Dave Roberts. I don't yeah. know if that's games. Trip said he's not available. Scherzer says I'm available on two days rest at 37 years old after yes. already winning a World Series a couple of years ago. Like he didn't have anything to prove, but that shows you the level of competitor that Max Scherzer he's is, and that's that, that's what's scary. That's what's really he's scary. A beast. About but I think you make an incredible point, Robert. Incredible point in this day and age of. Uh, organizations, sports organizations that are worth three, four, five billion dollars to say that the Dodgers are the most complete in sports is saying a lot because obviously they'd have to trump not baseball. It would have to be more soccer organizations, really, uh, that 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 you know that formalize and 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 matriculate themselves to be the powers, you know, in their in their premier league uh, places, not we're not going national teams, but because obviously they're, they're, they're different, but teams that are worth four or $5 billion. Um, and I think the Dodgers have placed themselves in that position between being money capable and, and, and uh, saber metrics doable. So right. it, it's an impressive, impressive combination of, of an organization right now. Now, Oh, by the way, lastly, that 2 billion, 2.2 billion price tag when they were bought that I, want to swallow my tongue on uh they've almost probably doubled that i mean they're probably they right. gotta be worth at least three yeah i think the thing with the dodgers is why well, it's unfortunate is the fact that they do have so much money um the reason why i think it's unfortunate is because the casual fan looks at them and say oh they bought their whole team and that's why they're good and it's like look the yankees the cubs they're other big market teams that have the same resources and could theoretically put together the same type of team in terms of not having financial limitations. They try to. They try. They can't do it because the Dodgers have drafted and developed talent better than anybody. The the Dodgers, a lot of people don't realize for a long time, they didn't even, they they refused to trade a lot of their front and minor league talent. Like Caber Ruiz being traded this year was a landmark move for them because they they would hold on to these guys. They would hold on. Julio Urias was almost traded. Um, they would, they would, they they did it really intelligently, where they didn't trade a lot of those prospects. They just held on them, and they. That's why I think that they're the scariest organization in all the you know major pro sports right now. Because like you, like Oh just said, you guys both said, very smart team, very infinite resources. People want to play there. There's the the big spotlight of playing in in LA. Um, <clears throat> this is a team that I think is going to be scary for a few years. I think they've been verbal about committing to Trey Turner, who's. A really quiet superstar. People don't realize how good oh Trey Turner my. is. Oh, this, guy, yeah. this guy's a landmark player. Yes. They went, they went and stole Mookie Betts from. The, I mean, I don't want to say stole, but they they went in and took Mookie Betts from the Boston Red Sox. I mean, this is not. They didn't take him. Yeah. They didn't take him from the Pittsburgh Pirates. They took him from the Red or Sox. From the, the Rays. 
Yeah, yeah right. No, and, and, and they locked him <laughs> up. And, and, and Mookie Betts continues to show you why he's such a winning player. Every every game he does something small, whether it's defensive, on the bases, offensively. He went four for four in that last game. I mean, he's it's just they're they're just so multidimensional, and they're just so um, you know dangerous. And I, I think that they're I think they're gonna they're in line for a really really deep and long run uh, at the top. And I think that uh, I think that they're the odds-on favorite to win the whole thing this year. Yeah, they have to be. All right, let's move over and talk about the team that they're about to play. The Atlanta Braves beat the uh, Milwaukee Brewers in four games. That game, that series, you know, there was a pretty good uh, game, pivotal game three. Braves were able to win that game when a uh, really big moment when Craig Council pinch hit for um, Freddie Peralta. I always want to call him Willie Peralta, but he's right, Freddie right, Peralta. right. Yeah, and. Uh, Pinch hit with guy. I think there was nobody out. They had runners on second and third. Uh, Daniel Vogelbach comes out and um, was it who was pitching for the Braves? Ian Anderson was pitching, right? Game three was Anderson, yes. Yeah, and Anderson pitches out of that jam. Anderson's been phenomenal now. I think he's had like four or five postseason starts, ERA under two in all those over the course of those starts. Um, young Braves come. What was that? Oh, he's a youngster though, right? He's, yeah. Uh, he's- yeah, he's a. I think last year was he a rookie last yep. year? He he's uh, he was entered his age twenty two season twenty twenty three now, but yeah, yeah. He's so enough. Albert, were you at uh, were you at those games? I was fortunate enough to to be on hand for game four of the series. Um, right. Game three was definitely a really intriguing decision point. Listen, I think Craig Council is an outstanding manager. I think he's. Um, that's another team that I kind of plays the Rays way. Oh, we talked about it. I don't want to say yes. exactly like yes. it, but no, it's but a team. Yes. It's a team that's built on, yeah, built on um, some power arms in, in both the starting rotation and the back end of the bullpen. Um, it's a team that really doesn't have a ton of superstars offensively. Um, they kind of try to mix and match um, with their matchups. Um, and, yeah, it's that game three, Jack, I think that decision was like basically the crossroads of this of the, of the entire series. I think it's in today's game where people are so big on don't let the starter see the third time through the order, you have to make this decision here and there. I still think as an athlete, Oh, can tell you there is that sigh of relief or that. Okay, good. Like, thank God. Thank yeah. goodness that, that this guy is out of the game. And, and Freddie Peralta, <laughs> yeah. Freddie Peralta yeah. stuff, man, that, that, that fastball slider combo that he had going. I mean, that, that guy is, I mean, he's, he is nah. really lights out. Yeah. If you look at his, his, his numbers, these last couple of years, He's absolutely filthy. The Brewers, despite having a really nice bullpen, were missing a really key piece in Devin Williams, who broke his yep. hand after you know celebrating. So they didn't have as long of a bullpen as they normally do, and that decision ended up determining the series. I mean, it's, I'm not saying Craig Council made the wrong call, but that's those are the kind of high-pressure, high-leverage situations that come up in the postseason, and they're magnified. And every single whether it goes your way or goes against you, it could it could determine a series. And that's I think that really shifted the momentum for the entire series. Yeah, and you mentioned Devin Williams and how he got hurt. He also, like uh, Oscar Enoa, the Braves pitcher, they both uh, injured their arms punching a dugout right. wall or a locker room wall. If I ever run a team, that would be like the most uh, punishable offense, is if you ever <laughs> try to punch a dugout wall or a locker room wall, you're fired. Like you, right. you just can't play here. It's the dumbest <laughs> it's way the anyone can ever get injured. You breach your contract by doing that, yeah. right? Uh, yeah, yeah. It is so 
so irresponsible, so stupid. And what are you proving by doing it? I just don't get it. Never did it. Uh, they never understood it. I did, though. I was notorious for using my bat on inanimate objects. So I was smart <laughs> enough to know that that I I wasn't using my hands. I need my hands. My hands are precious to me. Even if yes. I had just finished failing, I loved my hands. But I, I, I took all my energy and, and, and effort out on the bat because it was the bat's fault that I failed. It wasn't <laughs> me. Right. <laughs> So I would break things. Uh, and the famous, oh, it's not. It's funny now, but I ushered in Pilot Field in Buffalo, which is where they actually played. Now this year, you know, when they when the poor Toronto Blue Jays couldn't play at, at in Toronto because of COVID, so they played at whatever it's called now. At the time, it was called Pilot Field, uh, that stadium, and in and it was back in '88, right? And I was only there for a couple months. And I got called up to, to the rest of the year with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, and I had a like an over over four night. And this was like my third strikeout. And I went running into the hall. And we had a metal doors leading into our clubhouse. This, this stadium was beautiful. Still is. I mean, but it was built back in 80, 80. It was opened up in 88. I took my bat, my 34-ounce, 35-inch, 30, 34-ounce um, Louisville, and I flung it as I'm running towards the, the thing at the one door that stayed always closed. So I was smart enough not to throw it at the door that could possibly open and somebody would be, oh, you know, get hurt. Uh, I, I thought through my madness and I ran <laughs> out and I flung this bat at the wall, at, at, at the metal door. And it left and in and it hit perfectly like the, it didn't hit like the, 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 the handle hit first or the, the head of the bat. The whole bat left an imprint on the thing. It was like the whole bat. It was like unbelievable. And then it fell out. I go, holy shit. Oh, I'm sorry. I, 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 holy caca. He did it. <laughs> holy caca. There it is. Uh, I, I, I hit the thing. And it stuck around, man. And uh, they didn't change the door. The GM came down a couple days later. That was you. He goes, good job. That's pretty interesting. It's like, we're, we're going to leave it. We're going to leave it. Because <laughs> it was just so like, unique. And then I asked one of the Rays when they went there because we weren't able to travel. I go, was there metal doors when you got into the clubhouse? Yeah. Was there a bat like uh, image? He goes, no, nah, I didn't see that. They must have finally replaced it. But <laughs> but that being said, Devin being hurt, I agree with you 100%. That, that just took a, a key, you know, reliever. And Milwaukee was very much like the Rays. I watched Milwaukee a handful of times this summer. Uh, because I was intrigued how well they were playing. I mean, the one thing they also lacked, they didn't have the offense we did uh, and the dynamic offense we did. They definitely had the pitching, Albert. They had the pitching to go far. Uh, they just didn't have an extra bopper or an extra dynamic hitter, you know, or two to add to that offense to score enough runs. And uh, and Atlanta did. Atlanta, even without the kid, um, Acuna, Acuna uh, they're still a, a a damn dynamic offense that could that could score many different ways, including using their legs. I like uh, your guys' Cuban brethren, Jorge Soler. Jorge Soler is oh. a nice spark plug on that team. And then Beast. let's not forget other former Cub, Jock Peterson. It's Jocktober now, Albert. About that. Uh, uh, yeah. And he's Listen, going up against the Dodgers. 
It's so interesting. I think when you look at, um, you know, everyone's everyone kind of in baseball, when you're when you're a fan or, you know, work for or on one of these teams that are in the hunt. One of the most interesting times of the year is that trade deadline, right? Because you always look at what is my team going to do? Who are we going to add? Who are we going to buy? Who are we going to go get? And I think there's different tiers, like starting with the Brewers. I think the Brewers kind of, you know, shopped in the in the bargain bin a little bit. They added Rowdy to Les. They made a really interesting deal early in the season prior to the deadline to add Willie Adamas. Um, they added Eduardo Escobar at the end of the at the end, uh, right near the end. Um, the Braves did something similar, but I think they did it a little bit better than the Brewers did. They were able to add the aforementioned Jorge Soler, who um, I think timing's a lot of things and momentum's a lot of things in baseball. Jorge Soler was having a absolutely disappointing first half of his season, right? He's a guy who led the American League in home runs in, in 2019 with 48 homers. Guy has the definition of light tap power. I mean, this is. To me, when he's right, he's like a poor man's version of Jordan Alvarez from the right side. I mean, he's just an imposing presence in the box. A guy can go, uh, you know, can go deep foul pole to foul pole. Um, this is this guy's, you know, an absolute stud. And the Braves were able to buy on him. I think it was within the last hour of the trade deadline. And I think they looked at what he had done the previous two weeks in Kansas City, and somebody with the Royals told him like put this guy in your lineup immediately because he's hot. And ever since he's come over to Atlanta, he's done nothing but be productive offensively, not just with home runs and power, but if you look at his on-base numbers, the guy's been very patient, unusually patient, uh, to the point where Brian Sicker was comfortable deploying him in the leadoff spot. And he's been – he was a wow. very big piece. He was a very big piece and very instrumental in the Braves' success the last uh, six weeks of the season. Um, he led off for the Braves' the first three games of that series and unfortunately came down with covid uh, which is going to be a big storyline for him moving into the league championship series. But the contributions from him, Jock Peterson, Jock Peterson, listen, he had three at bats in that, in that, in that DS and went three for three with three homers or two homers. Sorry. Oh, oh and, and then uh, to the point where Brian Snicker had to start him game four against lefty Eric Lauer. Um, Jock is a guy who's, you know, as somebody who I'd seen him playing in LA, you don't really know much about him. But now as I watch him a little more closely on the Braves, He's an eccentric guy. He's interesting. He's different. He marches to the beat of his own drum. He started wearing a pearl necklace out of nowhere, which <laughs> is really strange for baseball players to do on field. Um, he's got a different energy, and he's got kind of a – he kind of strolls up. My buddy and I were talking when we saw him. It's like, you know, everyone in the playoffs, they, they, they seem to grip the bat a little tighter, hold the ball a little stronger, right? Jock looks like he's just walking up there like – Come on, man. And like, don't throw me a changeup. Let's, let's give me something to hit. Like, he's just so relaxed. He's just like chill. He's just like doesn't. And, and I think that that energy and that like heartbeat is effective in the playoffs. When you don't let the moment get too big for you, you just play baseball like you're playing baseball, right? Um, so he's been big. Eddie Rosario has been a really big addition. Another guy that Alex Anthopoulos basically, basically stole from the Indians, traded him for Pablo Sandoval, who the Indians just released. I mean, it, it was a series of really intelligent acquisitions. Rich Rodriguez was a, a bullpen piece that was added for Bryce Wilson. It was a lot of pieces. Uh, Adam Duvall got added for Alex Jackson who's probably one of the least uh, effective offensive players in the big leagues this year at a position where the Braves have a lot of depth at catcher. Um, it's just it's just decision after decision. The Braves are one of those. They're not a small market team, but I consider them a mid-market team. And those mid-market teams have to make those kind of moves because they can't go out and get Trey Turner and Max Scherzer. They just can't do that, right? That's the Dodgers way. That's the Red Sox way. That's the Yankees way. Well, also, so Albert, I don't think they should have. 
considering where they were. It's like you're right. what, five games out of first place, and you're just. Gonna... But even if they could have, they they wouldn't. The Braves, yeah. the, the 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 Time Warner and the organization behind them, they, they'll give them some financial resources. The Braves, by the way, were the second highest drawing team in terms of attendance this year. Number one being the Dodgers. Um, but they 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 don't have those resources. Even if again, Freddie Freeman, who is listen, he's the he's the core of that organization. As much as Ron Lacuna is the most talented player or the most uh, you know flashy superstar, Freddie Freeman is the heart and soul of that organization. And there's going to be an interesting uh, situation with him entering free agency this year because he's his, he's completing his age 32 season. And if you look at other first basemen in a similar profile. This is kind of when the decline starts. Albert Pujols yep. left St. Louis at 31. Joey Votto, um, if you look at his last six seasons from age 32 to 38, he had a big decline. Joey Votto had a bounce back season this Anthony year. Anthony Rizzo, another one. Anthony Rizzo. So as much yeah. as I love Freddie, and I think he's super important in the organization. You think, of, you think of Teixeira in that realm? Mark oh. Teixeira. A lot of guys in that 33 to 37 age is when you really start to see a little bit of decline. So I don't know, though, because uh, Freddie Freeman – is a batsmith. You know what I mean? He he's he's a he's a hitter, man. He's not, you know, all these guys that we're mentioning were thumpers. And I'm not saying that Freddie's not a thumper, but I'll take Freddie Freeman going down to 22 home runs. Uh but I mean Votto, Votto's a career 310 hitter. It's 302 now, but he was like a 310 hitter going into his yeah, like but early Votto, 30s. Yeah. There's no doubt that Votto is an exceptional hitter right. also, but he also has has had the 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 pleasure of hitting in a in a friendly confines, right? You know, in yeah. Cincinnati. So, uh, you know, but I still, I think Freddie has to be retained by these guys at, at whatever cost. Um, I, but you know, you're right. You know, you, you they do have they're in, they are mid level. Um, I in, just think in that Votto's, they, they, I want to make a point about Vado. Vado's defense, like he went through his age 33 season, his age 33 season, he was second in MVP voting age 34. He still batted 284 and had a 417 OBP. His power numbers dropped. But he dropped like 12 or 17. He only hit 12 home runs that year from 34. And then in 19 was really his big down year. And in that down year, he only, he bad 260. It's not like he did. Horrible. No, yeah, I think, in tw- I think in 20s and the 220s, and then 20, he only plays 50 games because it's not a real season. But then this year, in his age 37 season, to his credit, a uh, bit of a renaissance for Joey Votto. Right. You know, he, OBP numbers did dip a little bit, it was 375, which is still very good. But he did get the power back, he had 36 home runs and he had a 266 average. Yeah, no, he, he, he said that, that he, he sought out to lift. You know, he said, I came into spring training. I read a, an article about him, and, and he said, I, I just realized that, you know, I was hitting too many ground balls. And I just, you know, so he, he kind of, he's that good of a hitter. Again, these guys are, I call them batsmiths. They're so talented that uh, I, 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 don't, I don't even know if I put, I definitely don't put Teixeira in the same realm as Freddie Freeman. Teixeira was just a thumper from both sides that, you know, that could take you deep and stuff. Freddie Freeman, I put him more in the George Brett era of hitting, Whoa. man. The guy is, he's something special. I mean, if you look at it, if you look at Freddie, what's interesting about him. I mean, this no, guy, 
Yeah, he's his walk numbers have consistently gone up. His strikeout numbers are down, though. If you look at his numbers this year, yeah, I think I think Freddie only struck out like 104 yeah. times or something like that. So he's he's somebody I liken to to Joey Votto in that in that regard. And I think it's like I like you know kind of to, to round it out. I think it's that's that's where the Braves are right now. The Braves are entering. Yeah. Listen, a, a a heck of a battle. They're, they got to face what you know we just alluded to is a, a really a juggernaut in the Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah. Um, they got through a really tough team, the Milwaukee Brewers, who won 95 games, who were really well managed and well, you know, well pitched. Um, there, there's going to be some interesting decisions for the Braves in this offseason. But as of right now, there's the excitement of this series. Those three pitchers, man, Ian Anderson, Charlie Morton, Max Fried. Max Fried's arguably been the best pitcher in the second half of uh, of, uh, of baseball this year. If you look at his numbers, he's pitched toe to toe with almost anybody in the big leagues. He's really um, brought them a different level of of, you know, that ace that they needed. So it's going to be a fun series of the work. The Braves have their work cut out for them. And then moving forward, um, hopefully they'll be able to piggyback on, you know, what is to them at the end of the day, the Braves have to hang their hat on a successful season. I mean, when you lose Ronald Cooney Jr. right before the All-Star break to 20 ACL, you lose Marcelo Zuna, you lose Travis Starno for a big part of the year. You know, yep. you, you have you have all these setbacks. I think you have to qual- to take this season in consideration, say like, regardless of outcome, you know, the organization is going in a good direction. You have some really key pieces locked up. Look at that Ozzy Albies deal, guys. Like Ozzy Albies was arguably the most productive second baseman in the National League this year. The guy signed for the most team-friendly deal in potential all sports. I mean, the guy hit 30 home runs, drove in 100, stole 20 bags, hit 270, 266, you know, and he's 24 years old. So, and he's hitting the three hole against in the, in the NLCS. So the Braves have some nice things moving forward. And I think that it's about perspective. That's what I'm going to try to tell myself yes. this week as I struggle against the Dodgers. <laughs> it's about perspective. <laughs> and I'm going to tell picture. you right now, the best thing that they got going for them is what Jack was wanting to petition to change. And that is, that it's a five-game series opposed to a seven-game series. In a seven-game series, I get no, no, we're no seven. seven. LCS, we're seven. We're oh seven. no, 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 I apologize. Yeah. It's, 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 we're going into. Oh, uh, I, listen, yeah. I, 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 they wish it was a five-game series. I no, oh, it's, it's it's funny you mentioned that because I, I made that exact point with with Jack last year. I think it was the first time I went on a show. Was yeah, happy one-year friendship anniversary. Yeah, you're happy one year. Oh, man. I, I, uh, I, I I think I mentioned it. I said I don't like five game series because there's too much luck. And then when the Braves yes. won the fi- when the Braves won the five game series and we played the Dodgers, I'm like I wish this was a five game series because we need more <laughs> that, luck. <laughs> that's why I was I was I was my mind was still in that in that wrapped in that in that series. Uh, no 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 yeah I I I can't give them a chance, buddy. There's 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 just too many variable positives for the Dodgers, man. They're just too strong, and they and they they cut you off like an NBA defense at every point. You know what I mean? You're gonna go here. All right, you made that shot before, but you're not gonna make that shot again in a seven game series. You know what I'm saying? You get the opportunity to, to shut that down another way, and they will. It's just there's 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 too much offensively, uh, defensively, and obviously. Up and, down and the bullpen. Thing. The bullpen used to be the one weakness for the Dodgers. That bullpen right. is yeah. like a renaissance. Blake oh, Trinan throwing the be- throwing the baseballs was with Kenley Jansen's back. Yeah, Jansen's fixed himself, and at least he did. You know, last second half of the season, he was uh, he was almost unhittable. So you know, uh, that's a tough one. Hey, do you guys know if we'll see Max Muncie in this series yet? Ooh, yeah. Ever since the injury. 
Yeah. I don't think I don't think so. And I, I mean, if they do, it's not fair. <laughs> like it's they're they're yeah, lined right. up so long. They're lined up so long right now. Like guys, Cody Bellinger, people Cody Bellinger gets figures yeah. his act out. That guy's one, you know, guys like that who have that high of a ceiling, I often think are one game or one adjustment away from all of a sudden it's on, you know. And right. he, you right. know, him batting in the seven hole in that lineup is it just makes a lineup so long. It makes a lineup so dangerous. I mean, if you look at one through eight, it's just, it's a tough, it's a tough matchup. And yes. I, I don't know if Muncie will be back healthy uh, health wise. Um, it's, it's, it, it would be a little overkill. I think at this point, if he is, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see. So I want to bring up one more thing that I think is playing in terms of big picture for the Braves. They play in the NL East and you know, we went into this season and we previewed the NL East, Albert, with Jordan Morandini, and we're like, man, this division is going to be so tough. And then we end this season and it's like, same old Braves, Nationals just blew their whole thing up, Marlins aren't quite there yet, and the Phillies low-key have been, in terms of like, most tortured fan bases over the last decade, <laughs> the Phillies might be the one. They haven't made the playoffs in 10 years, no. 11 years. Um, I don't see anyone surpassing the Braves immediately or next year. And, you know, a lot can change over a year, two years, but it does have a feeling you win the division now four straight years. It feels a little bit like what they had in the nineties. Yeah. The the Braves are, I mean, yeah, well, no, not, not like in terms of how many, you know, the expectation was going to the world series every year. Right. they, They won it. What? 10 years, 12 years. No one does that anymore, except for the Dodgers. Apparently, 14. they won fourteen. Uh, fourteen straight. Uh, yeah. That's insane. Yeah, yeah no, uh, but, but only that, only one only one World Series. It's not um, that, but it's a mini. I think it's like a mini version of that. I mean, I, I would sleep on the the Mets as much as I. Uh, I was just going to go right there. The Mets are always an enigma. You know, it's a team that has the money, right? right. They're going to spend the money. Uh, Cohen um, is. Just come in and, and trying to revamp all these things, and they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna dislodge certain things uh, because they should have been there. Uh, they had they had the chance to be there a month or so, you know, remaining in the season, and, and then they just dropped the ball. Um, so you can't rule out the Mets. You definitely can't rule out Philly. They're 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 a player or two and some injuries, you know, away from challenging Atlanta. So I don't I don't know if I put them like in the, the 90s I'm not Atlanta. Out, I just would favor the Braves. At here's here's what I think, Jack. I think that baseball's changed a lot. I think five years ago, when Jeff Lunau was running the Astros, and you know the the Rays had all these guys in their position, I think the information gap was massive in baseball. The, the haves and the haves nots in yeah. terms of um, being sh- uh, sharper analytically, being uh, more intelligent with um, you know game planning, shifts, um, all these different things. There was teams are they were light years ahead of other teams. I think that gap's gotten smaller. And I think when you that's why those teams were able to beat the big market franchise. So the Yankees were like, we're the Yankees. We have a huge payroll. We can't win. It's like, well, these teams are smarter than you. Right. And that's I think now where we're starting to see is everyone's putting more focus on the intelligence part of baseball. And what will happen as a natural byproduct of that, in my opinion, is the teams that put, you know, the, the Mets just cleared house. They just fired Luis Rojas. They're looking for a new GM. They're looking for a whole new front office. Steve Cohen is committed to winning. So if the Mets spend money, put in capable people in those positions, they're going to be a force to reckon with. Now, they don't have as much coming up organizationally as the Braves have. I think the Braves have done a really good job of building in-house. 
But it's always going to be tough for the mid-market teams or small market teams like Tampa Bay and Oakland to compete with the big market teams like the Dodgers who are intelligent. The Dodgers, that's what makes the Dodgers scary. They're rich and they're smart, right? You're not going to win being rich alone. You're going to be, you have to be a combination of both. And you got to have, and of course, there's an element of luck and health. Like nobody knew that Ronald Acuna Jr. is going to tear his ACL. Like that's, that you can't forecast that. You can't forecast that, you know, Tyler Glass now, they're, they're going to change yeah. the rules. And next thing you know, he's going to tear his elbow. Like right. those right. are the parts of baseball that, you know, don't, you can't really, you can't uh, project, project that and you can't create enough depth or insurance policies to protect against that or insulate yourself. So it's, I, I think the Mets are in a position to strike. I still think the Phillies have some nice pieces in place. I think the Braves make some savvy decisions with that money, Freddie Freeman being most uh, first and foremost, and and maybe add another arm, they could have a nice three to four year run where they compete and um, still be at the top of the NL East and be the people that people the other teams are chasing. But these teams are coming. There's some young scary teams in baseball right now. I, w- I would tell you the three teams I'm most afraid of moving forward are the Toronto Blue Jays, yeah, probably yeah. probably number probably number one, the San Diego Padres who are going to be really really good soon. And uh, the Seattle Mariners are don't sleep on the Seattle Mariners. That's a team, right? Yeah, them and the probably the White Sox, I think, still have a lot of those four teams to me are yeah. going to be Sox. really good in the next, in the next few years. Yeah. I, I think if the White Sox and the Jays, um, could you know be, be the, the premier team for the American League, believe it or not. Uh, the White Sox just had right. so much youth that that yeah. you know they, they were just overcome with the, the experience of being in the playoffs and being a front run team. Once they get beyond beyond that, they're going to be dangerous as hell. Um, Think about how many guys yeah, they missed for this, this season. Yeah, go ahead. Well, let's we'll, we'll talk White Sox in a second. Let's give our picks for this NLCS. What are the keys to victories for these teams? Uh, Arrestus, start with you. Um, I as far as uh in, in the NL. Yeah, we'll go NL well, first. Uh, okay. Um, I listen. I I think that the Dodgers take this series. Probably within, and I'm gonna give I'm gonna give the Braves a couple of wins, and uh, and I'm I may be pushing it. I really think that the Dodgers are the uh, the premier team to go to represent the National League again, and uh, and that's because of again you you know you saw what Scherzer can do. I mean, and he, he's gonna get enough rest now to to, to you know re ante up that arm, and then they've got everything else. So. Uh, as, as as much as I'm actually pulling for the Braves, because I'm also a closet Braves fan here. Uh, from Bra- <laughs> I mean, I'm Love going, that. I'm going, I'm going back from, I'm going back in the in the uh, Biff Pocaroba, Mike Lum, you know, Davey Johnson, Hank Aaron, uh, Roland Office era of when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and and that was the only game. That was the only game that I could uh, you know watch on TV when I was 12, 13 years old in Miami, Florida. Was WPIX that used to play? It wasn't TBS, TBS yet. You know, it was, Turner hadn't taken them over yet. So, and then shortly, then then Turner took them over and put them on TBS. Uh, but my gosh, I remember coming home in 1974 from school and watching Hank Aaron in a day game hit number seven. You know, 14. So, um, I'm a Braves fan, and I hope so. But I, Albert, I, I just don't, I don't see it happening. I think the Dodgers have, have too many weapons both offensively, defensively, and you forget how good their defense is, you know, um, on the left side with Turner and, 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 uh, and, and turn um, uh, the shortstop uh, Seager. I mean, oh, yeah. they're just very good. They're missing Muncie at first. Who's, who's a Don Manley type of a player. I mean, he's Don Manley reincarnated as far as defense 
And then offensively, he's another one of those batsmiths that I put in that realm of, of Freddie Freeman. Um, goodness. But, uh, but they've got too much power. I'll let you go ahead, Albert. Yeah, I I, um, <clears throat> I think the Dodgers are going to win the series in five games. I think um, they're just. I gave them an extra game. I, I was nice, and if I did that for you, I, 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 I appreciate I, it. I, I appreciate it. I just think they match up too well. I mean, Max Reed's a really good pitcher from left side, but think about the premium bats they have: Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, Justin Turner, uh, Will Smith. There's too many. Chris Taylor, uh, AJ Pollock. There's too many good right-handed bats on that team. They're too polished. They're too experienced. They're too talented. And the X factor is, I'll be honest with you guys, I don't think Dave Roberts is an elite manager, but I think the organization oh, has their finger on the pulse. Right. I read I read something where – I was giving Dave Roberts credit for uh, deploying Corey Canable, and I read something where the, or Dave Roberts admitted it wasn't his decision. He was he was just in the room and he had one vote. They – you know, <laughs> that that team is too smart. Andrew Freeman gets it too much where they're, they're going to control a little bit of the ship. And unfortunately, the Braves are led by – a really great team guy, that a likable manager, but no one's going to complete and no one's going to confuse Brian Snicker with a rocket scientist. I mean, I watched the decisions that he made in this in this last series. Um, you know, and and O can tell you, uh, you know, O's 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 dad, my grandpa, uh, Leonzo Destrade was. If there's one thing we we gained an education on in the Destrade household was how to identify mistakes that managers are making. Right, that's what <laughs> that's something that we are very well versed in. Yeah, and I got to yeah, tell yeah. you, I, I, my dad, my dad, uh, uh, you know, ushered in a course where was he was the professor of that. Uh, Mistakes managers made 101, and you had to you, know, you had to you, you took the class at 3015 Southwest 92nd place. <laughs> yes, and, uh, and, and and one of the favorite things was 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 deciphering the madness of Bobby Cox, Bobby Cox's managerial uh, uh, yeah. uh, ploys and, and, and angles. And again, it was that Bobby Cox had oh, not one, not two, not three, but four, arguably five. Superstar pitchers that he threw yeah. out there every day, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's and that's kind of what happened. Is like you, I start to look at the Braves season from the lens, and I, I got to tell you, just honestly, I think a lot of times the Braves win in spite of some of the decisions Brian Sicker makes. I think he's a really good guy. I think he has a really good heart, but I don't think he's at the level of some of these other managers organizations. And I think it's just they're outmatched. They're going to be, you know, it's going to be it's going to be a hard fight. So I, I think that the Dodgers um, are going to win this this series. The Braves will win this series if here we go. AJ Minter two starts. AJ Minter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was actually. It's funny you mentioned. That. I'll give you a quick snippet. I was actually. So I was at Game Four of the Braves Brewers. I'm a pretty calm uh, fan, but I was livid in Game Four when uh, so Charlie Morton came out and gives gave the Braves a short start on short rest, and then the the Braves ended up uh, tying the ball game in the fourth inning, and. Um, Brian Sinker elected to go to Oscar Inoa facing Yelich, uh, Abisail Garcia, and Rowdy Telez. And I was yelling, literally. I was audible about this decision because I wanted A.J. Minter in that game. And guess what happens? It goes base hit Christian Yelich, strike out Abisail Garcia, Rowdy Telez hits a two-run homer to dead center field off Inoa. You could hear a pin drop in the stadium, and that was the one time I just let it happen. I just yelled <laughs> to the dugout, "We got to be better as coaches," because it, it just he it, he really. I mean that that the the Braves have a really. By the way, people don't understand the Braves actually have a nice little bullpen with complimentary pieces. When you look at AJ Minter, Tyler Matzik is somebody that um, a lot of people don't talk about, but he's a race type guy. He's a ninety six yeah. to ninety eight left handed pitcher with a power slider. Um, he's very very effective. Luke Jackson's had a very good year. 
Um, they have some nice pieces. It's just about deploying them the right way. I don't trust Snicker to do that, and um, <laughs> I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be a, a one-sided affair, unfortunately. No, I was I was uh, alluding to how phenomenal Minter looked last year in his. Oh, he was great. Start. He was great. He was great as an opener in, the, in that in that game five. They let him innings. go. What four innings? Five innings? Two, three innings. Two, three was, innings. Yeah, he was it was great. the best three innings I'd ever seen in my life. It was fantastic. It was, it was fantastic. Yeah. His ball struck out eight or struck out six. Yeah, yeah he was great. Who do, um, got, Who do you got, Jack? I'm actually siding with you. Oh, I also am going to take the Dodgers in six. Um, the fact that we have gone this we're an hour and a half into this show. And we haven't mentioned that Clayton Kershaw isn't pitching for the Dodgers. The yeah, Dodgers true. Are still amazing. True, like, true. it's yeah. insane. I, I do think though. I know, I know that Freed is a game one starter. Um, Albert, would you go Ian Anderson if it were up to you for game two? I know Morton's a beast, but Ian Anderson always seems to win these playoff games. I'd love to, for him to get. Maybe he goes, and then you can have Morton if you go to seven. No, I actually, th- I actually think the play is uh, to go Charlie Morton uh, throwing Sunday's ball game on his normal rest on a fifth day with four days rest. Yeah, that's um, right. I think I think you just need to have him. The idea of bringing Charlie Morton out for Game Three with a potential Game Seven is a little bit um, optimistic, in my opinion. I think you need to go with Morton. Morton's a big game pitcher, guys. I mean, yeah. o-, o can tell you the guys. The guys throw some really beginnings for the Rays. Was really beginnings for the Astros. I like Ian Anderson a lot. I think he has a bright upside, but I think now's the time to press it. I think you got to go Max Freed game one. You got to go Charlie Morton game two. Hope to bring him back game six if you're still in it. Um, and Anderson set game three and then game seven, you just empty the tank. Um, game four will be kind of a pseudo bullpen game, but um, the Braves have to just kind of sell out the series. They have to just they have to leave it all on the line. And I would go, I would go Freed and Morton uh, Anderson in that order uh, personally. So I think they're going to win both. Oh, no. I was going to say they win both Ian Anderson starts. But if he's pitching seven, I mean, that just it would only work if he was pitching game one, if I'm picking him to lose in six. Uh, I think they win two games. I think Ian Anderson's going to have a great outing in potentially game three. Uh, they win that game at home. And then I'm not sure which other game they win. I don't know if they take. They could potentially go up 2-1. I think this has a little more potential to be closer than Albert might be thinking. And I know he's, you know, putting his fandom to the side here. The Dodgers, you know, keep in mind, the Dodgers have beaten them two out of the last three years in the postseason. And you know what, Arrestus, I feel like you would agree with me on this. It's really hard to beat the same team in a playoff series or in a championship game, we see it again and again in consecutive years. So this is two years in a row in the NLCS. And yes, there was that other division series back in 2018. Sometimes you have a bad series and luck runs out for you. And last year, you know, things did not break in the favor of the Braves. Don't be surprised if the Braves catch some breaks this year, they can win this series. Again, and I think Albert alluded to this earlier, that's why baseball is one of the the most interesting um, g- uh, sports in the world because it is the greatest sport in the world. Well, you know, and I like I like to think so because it does pit <laughs> smarts with athleticism, you know, as well as any other sport. It's not better because there are chess pieces to be made by the, the managers. Okay. Because the players can't make their own decisions. Obviously, they make own decisions in the heat of a play, in the heat of a call. You just call me a slider, man. I'm going to hit that point over there. So you're making your own decisions, how you're going to throw it, how you're going to hit it. But as far as 
you know, we just went through talking about, you know, strategies and how they, they backfire or how they work. Um, all, all the other sports tend to be extremely physical. And if you're more physical and more talented athletic, you're going to win that NBA, you know, uh, matchup. You're going to win in the trenches in football. And my quarterback and my receivers and my it, it just becomes very physical. Uh, baseball has a very other nuance to it. And I think that uh, that the Braves could, you know, upend them. And I would not be surprised. Uh, do I think the Braves could beat them in a, in a five, you know, in five games? I, I do not believe so. But I could see a Braves in six, a Braves in seven. And, and if it's that, if it's like that, it's going to be a majestic, fun uh, series to watch. Because it's going to be back and forth. There's going to be some probably close games. And there's going to be a lot of drama, very similar to what we just saw in San Francisco and and, and the Dodgers uh, playing out in five games. Yeah, and the Dodgers have been on the ropes twice now. They had to go into yep. the wild card game, and that was a really close game. The Cardinals could have won. And by the way, Cardinals talking about a team that, that, that had their number. Yeah, manager Mike Schilt has been uh, relieved of his duties. Actually, I was that was quite shocking for me. It'll be interesting to see what happens with the Cardinals managerial search. What, 16 in a row or something it was? Yeah, 16 or 17. I assumed it was something off-field with Mike Schilt, but apparently they said it was just the differences of uh, outlook or opinion. I don't know. It's really Philosophy. interesting. Philosophy, yeah. It's a really interesting choice by the Cardinals to go – a different direction. I don't know. I don't know. Teams are trying to do their man. They're all in on, on a certain, they get a team philosophy, organizational philosophy, and they go all in on it. So it's I'm interested to see what they do. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's uh, touch on the Astros White Sox series and we get our picks, the LCS and we can sign off. Uh, hopefully I'm not keeping you guys from anything. You got to run soon. Yeah. I got about a 10, but yeah, that's perfect. Listen, all right, yeah. uh, Astros, well, the White Sox, I, I never, I, I, I didn't even think the Astros were going to, I mean, the White Sox were going to win one game in that series, mind you, that they did. So, um, uh, Houston was too much for them, I, and mainly, mainly because of the experience. Um, I yeah. just felt, um, having seen the White Sox this year, they're very raw, and, and they have a lot of raw players. Abreu not being one of them, of course, and a, and a handful of others that are not, but they're raw in a lot of other places. Um, I thought Larusa did a great job of bringing these kids together. They are dangerous as can be in the future, and they're going to be a fun team to watch. But the Astros are the epitome of experience, and um, and and they're going to be you know very difficult on a Boston team. But believe it or not, I think I think this is a Boston uh, year. I really do, hmm. and. Uh, uh, having seen Boston so much this year, because you remember, I get to see them 19 times. Uh, then I got to see them another, you know, and you watch them here and there, even when they're not playing the Rays. And and I understand this team extremely well. I think Boston is, is going to upend Houston and uh, and and show themselves in the in the World Series again. I haven't decided yet how they'll do in the World Series because I, I, I believe that they'll be in it and, and we got to see, you know, who really comes out of the, though I believe it'll be the Dodgers. Uh, but, you know, you got to let that dust settle because there could be injuries, there could be things that happen, you know, uh, that changed my mind. But right now, I think that Boston is a team with uh, a lot of dynamic offensive scariness, you know, and uh, when you have Schroeder 
and and you're able to throw in there. Uh, well, their most all-around offensive guy, actually, is not even Devers, is, is Xander Bogarts. Uh, when Xander's going really, really well, Xander's a beast. He's, he's, he's too hard to strike out uh, when he's going well. And he'll pop you to right, and, and then he'll pop you over, you know, the fence to left. And then, and then Martinez, who's been kind of, you know, hit or miss, so to speak. But uh, when, when Flacco, is, as I know him, and, and he used to be called in high school, when Flacco's on point, you know, that's another RBI machine. So I, I really think that this Boston's year, you know, and on the mound, I'm going to tell you right now, Evaldi, I throw up Evaldi against anybody. When that guy is on, his, his fastball pinpoint, you know, location with a couple of different breaking pitches that he throws in, in the in the in the slider and the split. The other day he threw against us, I, all I could think of was Roger Clemens. It was it was that dominating. You know, I'm talking old school Clemens in, at Boston. You know what I mean? With a fastball that was up on you, and then a slider split combo that we we did a we did a graphic thing after the game, and I showed the trajectory of this of the split. It was going down and in, and then down and away. So. And I don't know if he does that on purpose, but that sucker, you couldn't, like, like time it. You couldn't say, okay, if he gets split, it's going to go down and away, and I'm a righty here. No, 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 it was backing up and going. So if it's on, that's a couple of wins right there. And uh, and their bullpen has solidified mainly with this rule five. Go figure. The <laughs> rule five from the Yankees of all teams. He's like Babe Ruth right now that's been handed to the to the Boston back, you know what I mean? Because they gave up Ruth to the Yankees because they are, oh, we don't need this lefty. And, you know, and lo and behold, Whitlock has come in and, and, and you know, cool, calm, and collected has been a beast. Uh, so I, I, I like them. I like them a lot. So real quick, I think two things in that White Sox series. Number one, um, the writing was on the wall considering you look at records versus teams above 500. And the Astros were rolling their opponents that were winning clubs. White Sox had a losing record against teams above 500. Everybody else in their division had a weak record. They hadn't played meaningful <coughs> baseball in two months. They, they just weren't on the same level as the no, Astros, as you mentioned. The way I think the White Sox improve, well, one year, of course, of just veteran seasoning. They're a young team, but they also need to improve their defense. They make a lot of mistakes on the base base pass and in the field, a lot of self-inflicted wounds, not a very good defensive club. And so I don't know how you, if you start moving some guys, if you trade somebody, maybe you move Tim Anderson into the outfield potentially or slide him over to second base. He's not a good defensive shortstop. Um, I think that would be the the my takeaways from that series. And then um, I've picked against the Red Sox all year. Um, however, that's been playing well in their favor. I I guess I'll save my pick. I'll turn it over to Albert here. Yeah, really good stuff by you guys. I think I echoed a lot of the sentiments. The White Sox were a team I was really big on early in the year. I looked at what they were doing. Uh, without those guys, people forget they missed Luis Robert for the majority of the year. They missed Eloy Jimenez for the majority of the year. They lost Nick Mad- Madrigal to an injury for you know, halfway through the season. So I think these are teams that, um, you know, they have a power 
a collection of power arms at the back end of that bullpen, you know, with Liam Hendricks, um, you know, Garrett Crochet, Craig Kimbrell. It's just it's arm after arm, you know, Aaron Bummer. Like there's that team to me is um I'm always kind of early on teams. I remember I really <laughs> loved the Cubs right before the year before they won it, really liked the Nationals for many years and they finally won it. The Astros. Uh, the, the White Sox are one of those teams to me. They're in that Nationals, uh, you know, Astros uh, mold where in two years, I wouldn't be surprised if they are a dominant, like 105-win team that just rolls people over. Um, that's, a, that's a team that I think just wasn't ready yet. Um, the Astros, believe it or not, oh, and Jack, they were my pick going into this, Nash, uh, to this ALCS. I think the linchpin to that series and the game changer is Lance McCullers' injury. I think McCullers is the stability point at the top of that rotation. I think he matches up well against Boston, all the right-handed bats uh, that they have. I think losing McCullers is huge because they don't have a lot to replace him with in that rotation. I mean, the, the Astros pitching's kind of been their the questionable part of that team. I mean, offensively, they have still what I think qualified as the best offensive baseball this year, but I think pitching-wise, the bullpen definitely had issues, which they addressed early in the season. You know, they went and got Yumi Garcia from the Marlins, who had closing experience. They went and got Kendall Graveman. So they added some pieces. Ryan Pressey has been throwing really well at the back end of the ballgame. I still think that the Astros are going to compete, but I think the Red Sox are just hot. I think they're – I think the timing for them and that momentum is huge. I mean – Kike Hernandez, like you know, Jacob DeGrom from 40 feet couldn't get Kike Hernandez out right now. Like he's the guy's on another planet right now. Um, the 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 mojo is clicking like oh damn Jacob I'm trying to envision I'm trying to you know <laughs> visualize that. Jacob DeGrom yeah. from 40 feet. The only reason he could hit him is that maybe he wouldn't be have enough the, the extra 20 feet for his pitches to break, though. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, that's <laughs> I mean, that's a plan that Kike's on right now. I wouldn't want to face him right now if I had a <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't shoot I wouldn't shoot a fa- I couldn't shoot a fastball no. at a cannon by him. But, uh, yeah, the the Red Sox are hot, man. I think the Red Sox are gonna actually come in and, and make a statement here and come in really hot. I wouldn't be surprised if they win the series in five games or even sweep wow. this series. Maybe I agree either. I, I, I agree. I think the Red Sox are going to steamroll their way to the World Series, and I think we're going to have a rematch of the 2018 series with Red Sox and Dodgers. But I think the Dodgers are actually going to come up victorious to see. I think the Dodgers are going to be the ones to put the stop to them. Um, but right. I, I really think the Red Sox are just – they're playing they're playing well, they're hot, and the Astros are – they're just they, – I don't know if they have enough pitching to stop that offense. That offense is really scary that Boston deploys night in and night out. So I'm actually going to go with a rematch of the 2017 World Series. I think it's going to be Astros, uh, Dodgers, and I really – I got um, one friend, Jake Poliga, who's like, this is what the league needs. Like, we need this rematch. And I'm like, I don't think the league needs anything associated with the Astros. No, but- no, no. And, and, and the reminder of that rematch because, that you know, it, it, it was the precursor to – so all the ugliness, you know. Yeah, uh, I don't. I don't think that's. Yeah, but there is yeah. definitely some uh, marketing that they have with that. Um, but you know, to tell the truth, I'm not as excited about this AL. I know it's going to be a good series, but there's part of me that's like, well, it's the team that used trash cans to steal signs versus the team that right. used Apple watches to steal signs. Right, and, and it's a team that that, that cheated. Versus one of their coaches that cheated, yeah. who's not the manager of the other team, uh, we, which we were sitting there going, how are these guys crushing our pitching early on in the series? 
and we're going like just crushing us, right? There was a moment in time where they had 40 hits in 22 innings. It was just madness, right? And uh, and we're thinking, are they tipping it off? Which, again, I believe the core is one of the best. Supposedly, that's what they're saying, is that he's one of the best at pitch tipping, which I'm all for because I, I played the game and I, I used to try to, you know, pick up a lot of things. I, I wouldn't have hit Nomo completely out of a stadium had I not picked up or actually my hit, my hitting coach picked it up and shared it with me. And I, I think I gave him a hug and a kiss. And then uh, the next time up, I hit him completely out of a stadium, stood at home plate and said, I got you. And I ran around the bases <laughs> and he, he never had me again. Because I was 0 for 20 with 18 strikeouts before that. Because I could not hit Hideo Nomo. And then when he told me a tip-off, it was great. So you got a Cora who's talented. And you got the thing. I agree with you. I'm much more – I'm an American League guy. I'm much more excited about the Braves and the Dodgers. I I think there's just a dynamic playoff to be played there. Yeah. So I'll go Astros in six. Fellas, this was an absolute blast. We got to wrap things up here. So uh, Arrestus. How can people find you? Anything you want to promote? Any closing thoughts here? I had a long season, and uh, I'm going to thoroughly, as a fan, enjoy these playoffs. Um, I don't want people to find me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I'm good, man. And uh, as you know, I'm not I'm not a big social media guy. I'm old school, uh, and I'm going to enjoy things. We I do have something <clears throat> in the works that's very, very exciting. It'll be coming out soon, probably right around the beginning of the year. And it is a, a baseball-driven blog uh, that I'm working with, uh, excuse me, a, a podcast with uh, MLBPAA, uh, which I'm a, 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 one of the board of directors with. So I'm excited about that. Now, there'll be more news about that, but it won't be for a few weeks. So thanks for having me on and uh, an exciting, exciting baseball you know, World Series playoff to come. Absolutely. Great to have you here. And Albert, what would you like to add? You got a podcast you can check out. I do, guys. Uh, if you want to check out our, our program, it's uh, it's called It's Not Polite to Ask. We're on all the major uh, podcast streaming platforms. Um, if you would like to follow me on social media, I am at the word zero underscored votes. It's not political. It's a little survivor. Uh, <laughs> it's not little, political. <laughs> yeah, it's calling out to the old survivor days. And uh Jack, always a pleasure to have you on, to be on with you guys. Oh, I had fun doing this with you. And uh, looking forward to uh, some playoff baseball, some October baseball, boys. Hopefully the uh, yeah. hopefully we got some we got some really fun series. Hopefully there's some really good ones still left in store. Should be a lot of fun. Great to have these guys here. Guys, you all can follow me at Jack Vita Show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Subscribe to the Jack Vita Show wherever it is that you get your podcast and leave a five-star review. I'll be back on Sunday with Garrett Powell from Bachelor Nation recapping the week of football, and we'll have another baseball episode coming soon. Until then, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> <laughs>